all of us have a healthy dose of ego. Why? Because 80% of getting over the finish line with the types of problems that we're trying to solve is having the balls to flip the switch when you're not quite sure you fixed it. Most people don't have that. Most people do not have the balls to flip the switch and wait to hear the explosion. All right, so what is an expert, okay? How, how did we create Intellic Integration? One, one of the reasons that I created this company was because when I worked for other systems integrators, one of the first things that stood out to me was how knowledge was siloed, okay? That is, and you see this across many, many organizations, right? You, we, I think most of you will call it tribal knowledge or anecdotal knowledge, right? The stuff that's up in people's heads, it's siloed. And one of the first things that I identified was why don't we, if we're using technology, if, if as a systems integrator, we're being hired to help companies leverage technology to do more with less, then why is it we don't do the exact same thing ourselves? Why is it we're not leveraging technology to do more with less? Why is it we're not leveraging technology to break down the information silos within our organization? So the first thing that I did within Intellic when we created the company, I went to my wife, we're sitting on our front lawn, this is six years ago, I think. And I said, you know, Tanya, I think I can do this better. I, I'm, I'm certain that if I create a company and I use the, the new core steel model of compensation, I use the, the Tesla model of collaboration, and I use the Walker model of building teams, we can be successful. The Walker Reynolds model of building teams. So we don't, what uh, you guys may or may not know this, but we don't have management managers in our engineers do not report to an engineering manager. They work underneath a senior and they report to many subject matter experts. Okay. Our, and everyone in our organization does that. So because I'm the president and the CEO of the company doesn't mean I have the final say on everything. I don't, the subject matter expert does. So we have, we've identified, Hey, this person is an expert in Python programming. This person is an expert in SQL development. We have a matrix that lays this all out. This person is an expert in PLC development, UDT, uh, UDTs, add-on instructions, best practices for ignition, you name it. And you, that person is the person you report to when it comes to that subject. Experts are people who have a proven track record of solving a, typic, a, a specific type of problem, okay? So you, most of you guys have not seen this. We, I did a podcast for Element 8 last week. You won't get a chance to see this because the Element 8 podcast was, was digital only. One of the things that I did, or was audio only, one of the things that I did was I created a timeline of my career for Element 8. Okay. You know, what's your background? They asked me, tell you about yourself. How'd you enter the world of industrial technology? How did it start for you? I am an expert in digital transformation. I am an expert in solutions architecture, and I'm an expert in building and managing teams. I am not an expert in those things because someone gave me a certificate or a degree. I am an expert in those things for basically three reasons. Number one, I have a proven track record. I have a proven track record of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat in these types of projects. Dude, does it mean that 100% of the time, I my projects have been successful? No. And if any engineer who tells you that 100% of their projects were successful, they're lying to you, okay? Or they've only done one project and the first one was successful. When you're an engineer, you try lots of things that don't work, right? And that, I mean, that's part of the process. That's part of the scientific method, testing your hypothesis. You expect that many tests of the hypothesis to fail. 
right? So number one, I'm an expert because I have a proven track record over the course of 20 something years, digitally transforming organizations across many industries, initially companies I worked for, and then in systems integration. So number one, I'm an expert because I have a proven track record. Number two, I'm an expert because people look to me to help solve the problems they're working on, okay? And I have a proven track record of helping other people solve their problems. So not just the problems that I'm being tasked with, the problem statement, any engineer out there knows problem statement. I mean, if you got your degree from a community college, you probably have never heard problem statement because you generally get that in year three, but the, you, you hear about that in year three when you start taking your engineering courses. But if, or if you don't have an education, you may not have heard the term problem statement, but in engineering, the, the first question that introduced when we're, when we're trying to solve a problem is, what is our problem? The problem statement. Okay. So number two, I have a proven track record of helping people solve their problems. So that also makes me an expert. And number three, I share my knowledge. Uh, my knowledge is not a data silo. It's not an information silo. I am open about what I know. I'm open about what I'm good at. I'm open what I'm not good about, good at. I'm transparent. And, and I teach those techniques to other people. Okay as an educator. That also makes me an expert. Mm. And Doesn't they can me... replicate your results using your techniques. Correct. That is what makes me an expert. Okay. So while this person may not have been talking about us, particularly there, if there's somebody else out there, they may have been talking about. And if you want to justify whether or not you are an expert, you should come at it from that point of view. So I want to talk about my background real quick. Those that are in our mentorship program and, and digital mastermind can see this. A lot of people ask, the question, hey, you know, why, you know, where'd you come from? You know, why, why do you do what you do? What, what does your career look like? So let me lay it out for you. And I'm gonna do this real quick. I, I grew up in the 80s in upstate New York. Okay, I'm from Texas, but I grew up in upstate New York. After my mom died, I got adopted in New York. And I grew up in a, in a family of limited means. That's a nice way of saying we were dirt ass poor. I grew up in a trailer park, seven people living in a two bedroom trailer. That's what I grew up in. Okay had a loving family. I had parents who worked incredibly hard, but they suffered from only being able to work a few months out of the year, six, seven months out of the year, because my dad had to work in construction. Why? Because there were no good manufacturing jobs left. They started moving away in the eighties. Okay. All of my friends, I watched them lose their manufacturing jobs. They went from living in beautiful homes and their parents being middle-class, upper middle-class to their parents working at gas stations or going back and working on the farm. Okay. So that's set the tone for me, okay? I spent my freshman year at a, an elite institution in college studying biochemical engineering because my girlfriend in high school, her father told me that's a field that I should go into. I had no idea what I wanted to do, okay? The, the, all the kids that I went to school with were, in, were super rich, okay? I went to an elite institution out of high school and I learned, hey, there's two different worlds here. There's the world of the rich and there's a world of the poor, the working class. I transferred to a great engineering school down South and I started studying sociology and history. I wanted to teach, that was my plan. I transferred back to New York and I completed my education in sociology and history. And then I immediately started graduate work, okay? So I, I went to grad school to, to get a master's in education. At the same time, I went and got my first real job because I finally had a degree. And that first real job was working in a mine, okay, in 2000. I was a laborer. 
working in a mine. I was quickly introduced, well, let me back up. While I was studying sociology and history is when I learned about why it is those manufacturing jobs left the United States. I had thought, or they left my hometown, I had thought it was corporate greed. It turned out it was because we failed to leverage technology to do more with less. We failed to do what we are good at, which is innovation. That's what I learned in two separate courses, sociology courses that I took that were centered around labor. That's the empirical. That made me an expert. My, my degree in sociology makes me an expert in why it is manufacturing left the United States. Because I studied it from some of the top sociologists in the world, they taught me about what, what the, the sociological roots and causes of the manufacturing exodus in the, in the mid 80s. That makes me an expert on the subject. I got, did my graduate work in education and that makes me an expert in teaching people. If I want to, I can go get my teaching license. I didn't decided not to teach because I, I realized I didn't have the temperament to teach kids, young kids. While I was doing my graduate work, I worked in a mine. I got introduced to industrial automation. And it was at that point where I, everything came together for me. What I experienced as a kid, coupled with what I learned during my education, coupled with my exposure to automation in the mining industry, taught me what it is my mission in life could actually be. And that is, I, Walker, has the ability to become a world-class engineer, and I can take my education and my experience as a kid, plus additional education in engineering, and I can translate that into helping to create middle-class jobs and save middle-class jobs. So that's been my mission since 2000. So in 2000, I went back to school and did my double E. I worked in mining for five years. Then I jumped to the printing industry because I wanted to get experience in many processes. Then I went to the steel industry. Then I went to tier one automotive. And then I moved to systems integration. I worked for other integrators for a few years so I could learn their business. And then I created my own systems integration company. And now 44 companies later, um, millions of video views, hundreds of projects, hundreds of millions of dollars. I am comfortable in saying that I am an expert in digital automation. I am comfortable in saying that I am an expert in industrial automation. I am an expert in digital transformation. I am an expert in teaching people about those subjects. And I'm also an expert in understanding the impacts of us not helping manufacturers do more with less. There, if you want to know why I'm an expert, those are the reasons that I'm an expert. Okay. And I'm happy to make the argument I can, I'll do this all day long. Right. Um, well, and, and um, now, now that we're teaching thousands of students around the world and certifying them in this discipline, there's going to be more people than ever that are questioning your certifications, your credentials, your expertise. So we'll, point, we'll point them to this video. And I, I just want to say something here real quick. Ego has a very important role in being successful in industrial automation and digital transformation. Here are the two things that all of us have in common in industrial automation. It's not, it's not a, the education you got. It's not where you grew up. It's not your color. It's not your creed. It's not your politics. What it is, is two things. Number one, engineers, we understand that engineers are born. They are not trained. Engineers, you don't, you don't teach someone who doesn't have engineering capability to become an engineer, but you can teach someone who doesn't have the ability to be a salesperson to be a salesperson. Okay. are the aptitude. The one thing, one thing we all had in common is we all tore apart our toys on Christmas morning. 
because we want to know how everything works. I get a remote control car, I play with it for a few minutes, and then I take the screwdriver out and I pull it apart because I want to know how it works. Every one of us did that kind of thing. Everyone in this business did that kind of thing. Here's the other thing we all have in common. All of us have a healthy dose of ego. Why? Because 80% of getting over the finish line with the types of problems that we're trying to solve is having the balls to flip the switch when you're not quite sure you fixed it. Most people don't have that. Most people do not have the balls to flip the switch and wait to hear the explosion. Right. Okay. It's we the have same, same kind of balls that it takes to like actually put out a video and put it out there into the world and be open to the criticism or critique that it could right. gain. And let me, and let me, and let me say this. I am open to the critiquing. We, we respond to every negative question. We don't get a lot of them, but we respond to all of them. And, and I, and I don't say anything that I cannot back up empirically. In fact, when I, when you look at our IIT rant video and I said, Hey, you know, I, I challenge any executive who spent seven figures on an ERP system to come on our podcast and I'll humiliate you on camera. The reason no one took us up on the offer is not because we don't have the following. It's because they know they're going to get humiliated. They can't justify their decision empirically. I can, I can justify my statement empirically. When we said, I challenged someone to reach out to us and defend Rockwell Automation for their business practices. One person, we, we got no takers. And why is it that no one did that? Because they, they, I, can, I can debunk whatever they say empirically. I'm only saying the thing, I, one of the first things when we did the Element 8 podcast, one of the first things I told those guys before we went on camera was, listen guys, we're, we're not saying anything revolutionary. We're just saying the things that everyone else thinks. And, and, I, and I'm comfortable making the argument for why I believe what I believe.